Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick the co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Believe none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins from Your Black World and the Black Business School, and I want to say hello. And um, I wanted to come in for a second to um, have a quick little powernomics conversation. Every now and then, um, I'll be reading through some stuff, and um, and something will just come over me, and I want to kind of go live and talk about it a little bit. Uh, what's up on Instagram? My Instagram is the real Boyce Watkins. And uh, speaking on powernomics and uh, just the books I've been reading uh, lately, uh, we are doing a powernomics masterclass uh, in the Black Business School. Dr. Claude Anderson is joining us for that class. This is not a class you can take on any college campus, but it is better than 99% of the classes that you'll take on any college campus. Um, and uh, we start on the 15th of October. If you'd like to join us, then please visit PowernomicsMasterclass.com. That's PowernomicsMasterclass.com. Um, I'm going to answer a few of your questions, and then I'm going to actually read to you something from Powernomics that I saw that really um, made me think a little bit. Um, the beauty of Powernomics is that, you know, I, I'm an e economics guy. I'm a big believer that if we get our uh, economic situation right as Black people, that's going to make a huge difference in a lot of areas of life, a lot of the things that we struggle with from police shootings to bad schools to bad politics will get resolved if we get our economics right. We control that $1.3 and also teach our children to become economic warriors, like literally teach them to only want to start businesses, to only want to buy real estate, to only want to own stocks and bonds, to only want to acquire assets, to only want to be educated on all things economic. Like I really think that has to be part of our culture because uh, as a finance PhD, what I can tell you is that a person's desire to uh, obtain economic success uh, usually plays out in, in where they are economically. People who are trained on economics, who care about that, tend to have more money than people who don't. So when you see people in our community struggling financially, you got to ask yourself, how much time did you spend learning uh, the basics of investing? How much time did you spend learning how to start a business? How much time did you spend learning how to go and acquire assets? If you, Because if you don't spend time learning how to do something, you're not going to be very good at it. Like if you ask me to go out and bust a rap and make a hip hop album, it's going to be a terrible album. Well, why is it going to be terrible? Well, because I don't spend much time practicing how to be a rapper. I don't know how to rap, right? If I wanted to be a good rapper, I would spend time in the booth. I spend thousands of hours uh, with rappers, listening to hip hop music, learning how to be a good rapper, right? So the same thing is true when it comes to talking about rapping about that money. If you want to get ahead when it comes to financial stuff, you have to spend your time in that space. Uh, did I watch the debate? No, I did not. Um, I, could, I, I wasn't really interested just because I don't think that presidential politics, at least not this year, is going to make a big difference in the fate of black people. Um, in fact, actually, it reminds me of something I just saw when I'm reading through Powernomics uh, as we were preparing for the masterclass with Dr. Anderson. Um, one of the things that Dr. Anderson mentioned is that the reason that black people struggle, he wrote this back in the 90s. I agree with this 100%. In Powernomics, he says that the reason black people struggle, one reason, one major impediment to our progress is that we have no national plan for black economic empowerment. We have no uh, really highly charged plan 
on how we're going to make ourselves stronger economically. That's where I think I, I can make a contribution because what I did was I created not a macro plan, but a micro plan. A macro plan means you need 40 million black people on the same page. I don't know how to do that. Some Negroes I can't talk to. Some black folks I don't even want around because they, they're just so crazy and, and destructive. I don't want to mess with that. And so I created a micro plan, one that says, if you do this, if 90% if, if of the people listening, 80%, even 50% of you that are listening, go to your families, go to your children and do those basic things that we talk about, like teach your children of stock, stock ownership, real estate investment, and entrepreneurship, that that's going to make a huge difference in, in the community in, in a generation. So uh, one of the things he mentions is that there's no national plan. And uh, he says that what we do is we lean too heavily on two types of plans. Plans that involve integration and uh, um, what was the other one? Oh, and civil rights. Integration and civil rights. Think about those two words. Type them in the chat. Integration and civil rights. I want you to uh, take a moment when you're watching uh, elite black people talk, when you're sort of watching whether it's presidential debates with Kamala Harris or you're just listening to black folks talk on TV. I want you to, or, or you listen to politicians, politicians who want your vote. Pay attention to how much they spend talking about um, integration meaning more jobs for black people. Uh, we're gonna get black people more accepted. You can go live in any neighborhood you want. We won't discriminate against you or civil rights. You know, we're, we're gonna protect you from police brutality. We're gonna make sure that you get equal justice under the, under the law, right? We're gonna pass a bill that's gonna keep black people protected the same way we protect dogs. We're gonna protect black people too. They focus on those two things, but one thing they never talk about is the money. They don't hardly ever really talk about the money in a meaningful way. What do I mean by that? Talking about the money to me means that if you really want to make black people happy, like seriously, a lot of people, a lot of, a lady was on my Twitter today and got mad at me and said, Dr. Boyce, I used to follow you because I thought that you were, you were gonna, you were about empowerment and now I'm gonna unfollow you because she got mad about something I, I said where I asked a hard question of the Democrats about what they're gonna do for black people. And basically after I gave her the finger and said, please leave my page, I don't even want you here because I don't want people here who are destructive. You can go follow somebody who's gonna give you the same nonsense solutions we've been getting, you know, for the last hundred years. The other thing, though, is I said, look, if you want to shut me up, if you want me to be quiet tomorrow, you want me to stop talking smack tomorrow, do one thing. Write a check, write a big multi-trillion dollar check to black people for reparations with no strings attached. Just give us what, what you owe us and you will have no more problems for me. I will not dispute the Democratic Party when they come asking for your vote, telling you to get your booty to the poll and all this other stupid stuff they do. I think they did an ad today where everybody was naked on the ad. They, they literally, I think Tiffany Hatch is like, I'm, I'm motherfucking naked up in this ad. I'm naked in a motherfucker, right? Like literally, seriously, I, I swear to God, go, go look at the ad. They're, they literally are naked. That's how much they're working to get you to vote. You're not voting because you want better policy. You're not voting because you want to help your family. You're not voting because you want to overcome racism. You're voting because, you know, celebrities are naked. No disrespect to the people that were in the ad, but I, you know, I, I that, 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 that's kind of funny to me. Um, but, but the point of the matter is to say, uh, if you want to shut me up, then just write the check, cut the damn check. That's it. Cut the check. Hashtag cut the check. And then we're done. Don't tell me how much you love me. Don't tell me how you're going to improve the schools that are being run by white people, putting money in your pocket to help my condition. No, don't put money in your pocket to help my condition. How about you put money in my pocket to help my condition? Seriously, they, they look at you. Unfortunately, people look at you like children. They look at you like little kids. They, they'll say, look, uh, we want black people to have a better life. So, so that we can have, help black people have a better life, 
we're going to give money to white people to create companies that will go hire black people. Like that's what we said. That's what Alicia and I do with our 10 year old. With our 10 year old, if we want our 10 year old to, to have something, you know, we'll, we'll go, I'll be like, here, babe, I'm going to give you money so you can take her out to eat and feed her what you want her to eat because you're her mother. Right. Yeah. But, but really, but, but the thing is that you're not 10, you're an adult, you're a grown ass black man, you're a grown ass black woman. Why are you going to give the money to another white person so they can go help a black person? How about give the money directly to the black people? You know, for, really, if you talk about schools in black neighborhoods, we know that white people have proven without any doubt that they cannot educate a black child. You go to every city across America, black children are not, are not being educated. That's a proven fact. Give me a yes or no, yes or no in the chat if you know what I'm talking about. If you understand that white people have proven that they cannot educate black children, give me a yes if you've seen the horrible data, if you've seen how horrible the, the math scores are for black kids, if you've seen how horrible the reading scores are for black kids, right? No disrespect if you're white. I'm not saying that you're, you're not, that you can't be a good person. I'm just saying that you've proven that you can't educate a black person. And even black people that are educated are still going in debt. Black people with master's degrees are going to die in debt. Well, why is that? Well, that's because they were not, they were either, because that you, it wasn't that you were uneducated, you were miseducated. You were miseducated because you were given all the skills and all the things that are not going to make you empowered. They taught you how to do everything that would empower white people and nothing that would empower black people. They taught you everything about how to empower somebody else, but never taught you how to empower yourself. Because if they really wanted you to empower yourself, then Uncle Boyce slash Dr. Boyce would have taught you, uh, okay, you're black, you need to learn how to start a business in case that white man ain't hiring. But if you're black, you need to invest in stocks because that's how rich people are making all their money. Uh, the, the majority of Americans have 50, about 15% of their assets in the stock market. The 1% have 40% of their assets in the stock market. Stock market participation is a leading indicator of who gets rich and who doesn't get rich. Uh, oh, oh, you're black? Well, you, you live on that block, you need to own that block. All your energy needs to be applied to owning that house you live in and owning the property across the street and owning as much real estate as you possibly can. I went on a ride today with a 17 year old in our house and he's about to go to college next year to be an engineer. And I said, hey, uh, make sure you own land. I said, land, they're not gonna make any more land. Make sure you own land, right? So, so, so at the end of the day, when it comes to black people being educated by other people, you're either uneducated or you're severely miseducated. A lot of you Negroes with letters behind your name and, and fancy job titles and all this education, you're wondering like, well, if I'm so special and I'm so successful, why am I so far in debt that I'm never going to be able to get out of debt? That's because you got tricked. They pulled the rope-a-dope on you. You fell for the banana in the tailpipe. And so what I'm saying to you is stop falling for the banana in the tailpipe. If they really want to help black people, then they will give resources to black people. If you want black children to be educated, then you find the best black teachers, the best black teachers out there, <clears throat> and you give them a trillion dollars to educate black kids. And you say, here's the money. We used to give it to white people to educate black people. We, they proved that they can't do the job. So we're going to allow you to do that. Here's your money, <clears throat> no questions asked. Uh, as long as you show us results, we're good. If you want black people to have, <coughs> excuse me, economic opportunity, you don't give the money to white people so they can build businesses and hire black people. You give the money to black people so they can build businesses to hire black people. How about that? How about that? So anyway, let me keep going. I uh, hit the thumbs up button. If you haven't hit the thumbs up button, please hit the thumbs up button, share and subscribe button. And don't forget, just a reminder, on the 15th, that's when the Powernomics Masterclass begins. Also, uh, I'm going to start talking about this a little bit. The weekend of the 23rd is the All Black National Convention. It's going to be digital. The page um, is almost ready. When the page is up and ready, and we're ready to talk about it, I will let you guys know. 
We're going to be joined by some amazing people. Tariq Nasheed is going to join us. Uh, Dr. George C. Frazier will be there. Vicki Dillard's going to come through. We got a lot of great people that are coming through. Uh, Charlemagne, Charlemagne the God said he would come through, but I haven't heard back from Charlemagne. So Charlemagne, if you watch this video, uh, text me when you get a chance. I don't want to push you too much because I know you got rappers and stuff on speed dial. So uh, I'm not going to pressure you, brother, because I actually, uh, whether you guys like it or not, I like I like Charlemagne, and Charlemagne has always been very kind to me, so I will never speak ill of Charlemagne. Even if he does something that I think is crazy and doesn't make any sense, I'm just I'm just going to stay on cold with the brother. I'm not going to talk bad about him because uh, if you do right by me, then I'm going to try to do right by you, and that's what it is. So get mad and that's what if you want to, but that's what it is. All right, so anyway, I'll keep you guys posted. Let me look at some of your questions. But let's talk about the free votes we're giving away without reparations. I agree, I agree long live Hollywood. It's ridiculous. I'm, you know, if somebody asks for your vote, they should tell you why. It's like if somebody tells you to come to work and they don't offer you a paycheck, and they don't tell you what your job is going to be, and they don't tell you how you benefit from going to work, then you'd be a damn fool to go to work for nothing, just because somebody told you to go to work. Seriously, so stop just doing stuff because somebody told you to do it. Do it because it's something that you have concluded in your own mind makes sense for you and your family. That's very important. The best, the most important step for taking care of your family is to make independent decisions on behalf of your family. Uh, and maybe I'm just blessed and lucky because my daddy was an independent thinker. My daddy was the kind of guy where if you tell him to do something with his kids and his family, just because everybody else is doing, well, you know, Larry, everybody else on the block is doing this with their children. He'll be like, well, their children ain't my children. Why the fuck am I going to do with my family what you're doing with your family just because you're doing just because you said to do it? If it don't make no sense, I'm not going to do it. If it don't make sense, I'm not participating. Uh, let me see here. Uh, what's going on? Uh, TRD, Andy, Chef Juan, what's happening, man? How you doing? Oh, I forgot to mention, tomorrow, tomorrow's Thursday, I'll be on Lord Jamar's uh, podcast, um, The Godcast, I think that's what he calls it. Um, I don't know Lord Jamar. I have never met him, but, um, you know, but I like him. You know, I, 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 he seems cool, and he's very nice to me. I was very nice to him, and I look forward to a very nice conversation. I don't know if I'm what I'm going to agree with him on or disagree with him on. I just know that... Um, that I look forward to talking to him because I've seen the brother around for quite a while and I just, you know, I just, I like his style. So I'll let you guys know. Um, I'll be on his YouTube channel, I think tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. So feel free to check in. Uh, the white man's ice is colder. Yeah, we do think the white man's ice is colder. And actually Dr. Claude Anderson talks about the, the inherent white supremacy that we carry as black people. And uh, so let me find ways. Okay, he says, another category of inappropriate behavior is the persistent belief that white ice is colder. Black America is conditioned by family, school, and all the social institutions to believe that whites are inherently superior. Now think about this. You may, you may not agree. You may not agree, but um, think about this, right? When you have a baby and you're trying to get your baby in education, where's the first place you send your kids? You send them to a school that's usually run by white people. Uh, when you um, are looking for a job, you tend to work for white companies. When you go to college, you go to a white university, you give them $100,000, $200,000 so, so they can tell you how much they hate black people or don't even want black people on campus, right? A lot of these universities won't hire black professors. They, they love black basketball and football players because black basketball and football players make money. So they'll love you if you're six foot eight, 240 pounds and you, or you can run the 40 yard dash in 4.4 seconds, but they don't like you if you're there 
to do to teach biology or to teach math because that's not what black people do. They want black people there to be athletes, maybe rappers. They probably have, you know, like like when the white kids want entertainment, they'll bring in their favorite black minstrel show on the campus so that they can go and rap and, and coon out and the white kids can kind of play along with that. But they don't really want black people there to do the civilized sorts of things in terms of black people uh, wanting to actually show how smart we are. That's not really of interest for a lot of people. I know a lot of black professors who can't get jobs at these white universities where black people are pouring all of our money. I know black professors who can't even get jobs at HBCUs. Uh, when I interviewed at Howard University, no disrespect to Howard, Howard's a fine school, but let me tell you what happened when I interviewed at Howard. When I went to Howard, if I'm not mistaken, I want to make sure I get this right, but when I, if I'm not mistaken, when I interviewed at Howard for the finance department, I was interviewed by a Chinese man. The man that interviewed me, the man that ran that department, the man that decided if I was going to get to teach on that campus was Chinese. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is the HBCU. Shouldn't an African-American be making this decision uh, if we're educating African-American youth? But that's not the case. Um, I went to Kentucky State and I sat down um, uh, to, to uh, I was giving a speech at Kentucky State about it over a decade ago. I sat down with a member of the finance department and he was a white guy from Italy. And this white guy from Italy, it was really fascinating. I think he got comfortable with me because I had a PhD too. So he kind of felt like he was talking to people, you know, it was like, it's, it's, it's among us, us, us professors or whatever. And I remember he talked about those kids at Kentucky State, like they were the dirtiest, funkiest pieces of shit that you could ever imagine. Like they, he talked about them, like they were stupid, like they were lazy, like they were ridiculous. And I really got this sense that this guy was only teaching on this campus because he couldn't find a better job. It was almost like being in prison for him. He didn't consider it to be an honor to educate the next generation of black kids. He considered that to be a dishonor. He considered that to be a disgrace, an embarrassment. And I'm not kidding. I remember sitting there thinking, wow, it's amazing to me that this guy doesn't realize I'm black and that this is really going to bother me. I think that there's something that happens where they really think, well, because you've reached a certain status, that you don't care about the rest of the black people. So I, I just want to share that those true stories with you to kind of say that a lot of the stuff that you see in the world is just ass backwards. It's just upside down, inside out, and backward. And a lot of you, like, like our family, you're, you're going to be sending your kids to HBCUs and stuff like that. I think it's okay to put a little pressure on them. I think it's okay to kind of go through like the computer science department and say, okay, what percentage of your faculty is African-American? Or, <clears throat> or when I went to uh, North Carolina A&T or North Carolina Central, I think it might have been Central. I don't want to diss the school. I'm not dissing anybody's school. But I remember them telling me at that time, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't have one single African-American male in the entire business school. You're training African-American males. Why don't you have African-American males in the faculty? Is it because they don't exist or is it because what, what is your excuse, right? And I think that becomes kind of the bigger issue that we have to kind of talk about, not just in that space, but in general. Um, so he says the white, that we believe whites are inherently superior. Although there have always been blacks who tried to disabuse other blacks of this belief, their efforts have had limited effect. The superior quality of the white man's ice remains a commonly accepted belief and expression in black America. Uh, so... Basically, he says, inappropriate behavior has become deeply rooted in the psyche of Black America's dialect type of reasoning. If whites touch it, make it, sell it, repair it, or talk about it, only then is it acceptable to Blacks. Now, pay attention to the media. Notice how Black people, when it comes to politics, we tend to take our cues from white media. Like right now, the two biggest things that you hear a lot of Black folks on TV talking about are coronavirus and police shootings. Those are the two things that they talk about. Now, the reason they're talking about this 
It's not because black people were talking about this. Black people have been talking about police shooting since forever. Tupac was talking about this 25 years ago and they wasn't listening. Uh, you know, and it, it's not because coronavirus isn't a threat. It's not, not because it's not an issue, but they're talking about it. Black people are talking about it because white people are talking about it. When white people start talking about something, it makes us feel comfortable talking about it then. So when the police shootings happen and suddenly everybody's talking about race, I saw a whole lot of Negroes coming out the closet. I saw a whole lot of black people who, who were scared of me. I'm talking about colleagues I had in academia who didn't even want to talk to me because I was too black. I had a lot of black professor friends that, that didn't want to fuck with me because, that, because I, was, I was being too black and they were scared to get fired. Now they're like super black and they got all this black stuff on their Facebook page or whatever. These very same people a decade ago would not have put any of that on their Facebook page because they didn't want their white boss to see how black they were. So basically, um, what, I, what I think is that you gotta know the difference between uh, you leading the conversation and them leading the conversation. So when it comes to uh, police shootings and coronavirus, I care about these issues, but I do not consider these to be even in the top five of the biggest issues affecting black people the most. I think about, if I'm not mistaken, I gotta look up the number, but I believe less than 40 people a year get shot by the cops right? Less than 40 people a year. But we're, we're in a ritual now. We're in a habit. Somebody gets shot, their name gets hashtagged. That becomes the topic of conversation. We exert a tremendous amount of, mo of emotional energy getting justice for one person. That is not how you solve a big problem. A big problem that affects millions of people cannot be solved by helping one person at a time. It does not work. It doesn't make any sense. That's like saying, I want to be a millionaire, but I'm going to make a dollar a week. You can't become a millionaire making a dollar a week, right? You have to you have to speed up your cash flow process. So you cannot help a million people by helping one person every two weeks. Seriously, like you can't just sit and say, when's the next police shooting? We're going to put all our energy into getting justice for person X. And then at that, at that point, you're ignoring the hundreds of thousands of people who were affected by the criminal justice system at large. When Joe Biden uh, came after black people with his extermination plan back in the 1990s, because remember, if you check his record, go, don't believe me, just go look at, look at his record for the last 47 years and you'll understand why I have some concerns about Joe Biden. Dr. Claude Anderson hates Joe Biden. He, because he go, he knows the where the bodies are buried. He's been watching politics since before a lot of you were born. So he he when I mentioned Biden's name, he was not a fan. But if you go back and you remember his extermination plan for black people, and it was Adolf Hitler style extermination. He said a hundred thousand. He said these urban kids who have single parent come from single parent homes need to be removed from society. What does that mean? I need you to meditate on that sentence a little bit for a second. A hundred thousand of these kids, they come from single parent homes. So you know he's talking about black kids, mostly black kids. And, and, and Biden even said it later. He said something like, um, you know, I think that the black kids can be as, or the, what the poor kids can do as well as the white kids or be as smart as the white kids. I don't know if you remember him saying that. But anyway, so, and then people get mad at me for bringing that up. And I think the reason they're just mad is because I'm, I'm disrupting uh, their high, I'm blowing their high. They're high on white supremacy. They've been hitting the crack pipe of white supremacy, injecting it in their arm, and it's making them feel good. And when you blow somebody's high, first thing they want to do is cuss you out, right? Because they're living in a fantasy world, and you're popping that bubble. People don't like their bubble pop. So I understand exactly why they get mad at me for saying that. But the fact that they can't refute what I said tells me that what I said was correct. It just wasn't convenient. It didn't conveniently fit with the reality that you've chosen to embrace. So if you go back and you listen carefully, I want you to really think carefully. This is why books like Poweronomics are so important is because Dr. Claude Anderson is fighting fire with fire. He's saying, 
in order for us to solve a systematic extermination plan, we must have a systematic revitalization plan. You, you, we cannot fight it with one-offs. We cannot fight it one person at a time. We must fight it a million people at a time. So when you listen to Joe Biden's uh, statement about how he wanted to send so many young black men to prison, he said 100,000. He said, we need billions of dollars to make sure that at least 100,000 of these black, of these urban kids was from single parent homes, right? Though they use, they started using cold words, dog whistle terms for blackness. They couldn't say black people. So he said, these, these kids, they come from single parent families. They have no morals. We must remove 100,000 of them from society. That was a broad scale extermination plan. Uh, Richard Nixon, if you go back even further than that, uh, my white history teacher put me onto this. It was real interesting. I was 18 years old and I remember hearing this. I was really mad. Um, he, he said that they had something called Project 100,000, where basically the Vietnam War is going on. The white politicians don't want to send their kids to war. They, they do not want to do that. Uh, when Michael Moore pulled the wool over this, he went to Congress and said, I have um, some uh, enlistment papers. Uh, and since you, you voted to go to war, would you sign your child up to go to war? And all the politicians saw him coming and they ran away like, oh, I got to get back in my office because they didn't want to send their kids to war. They wanted to send your kids to war, right? So in the Vietnam War, they had something called Project 100,000. Again, we're talking big picture, big scale. That's how you win these fights, right? So Project 100,000 was where they said, we don't want to send our white sons off to war. We want to send black men to go fight these wars. So Project 100,000 was, was a, a plan where they said, we're going to go into the hoods of America. We're going to a lot of black people because black people are, are, are gullible and they believe our ice is colder. We're going to lie to them. We're going to tell them that if you come sign up for the military, you can be somebody because white people have validated you. You're going to have a uniform on. You're going to make your mama proud. You're going to go to the military and learn these skills and you're going to come back and be an asset to your community. But the plan was actually for them to just throw these young men into infantry. And I know about this, you know, because my father went to the Vietnam War. My uncle went to the Vietnam War. But a lot of black men went to the Vietnam War and either died or they came home with uh, PTSD, mental illness, uh, Agent Orange. A lot of them came back with heroin addictions. So basically, um, if, if you're not smart enough to outthink white supremacy, then white supremacy is designed to manipulate the living shit out of you. It's, it's going to manipulate you into the ground. So, it, so basically, if you think about this, right, you have to understand your, your, the nature of your enemy. And the enemy to me, I don't see the enemy as white people, every single white person. I'm not, I don't even think that way. I, don't, I have white neighbors. I don't hate them. They're very nice people. I'm nice to them. They're nice to me. Everything's fine. The enemy is, is this white supremacist system. You're up against a system and you're up against a system in an industrialized country, one of the most advanced, most industrialized countries in the world. One of the things that America is exceptionally good at is mass producing the things that it wants to see. Uh, the reason that the Americans were able to turn the tables in World War II is not because they built better planes, tanks, and submarines than the Germans. It's because they built more planes, tanks, submarines, and ships than the Germans. For every 10 planes they made, we made 100. For every 10 ships they could build, we made 1,000. You know, so we were, for every, you know, 100 bullets they produced, we produced 10,000 bullets, right? Or whatever it was, because we had these factories that could mass produce. We would think on mass. That's what greedy capitalism kind of does. So when it comes to the control and the management and the extermination of Black people, whether it's manipulation or extermination or exploitation of Black people, 
they're always thinking about you uh, as, as a collective. They're always thinking about you in a big picture context. They're always thinking about you as part of a system. You are trying to fight a system with a series of one-dimensional hashtags. You're, you, you're trying to fight a system where they said, okay, we want to make sure that 10 million black boys are aborted or are sent to prison over the next 10 years. And you're trying to exter you're trying to fight back by basically saying, we want to get justice for Breonna Taylor. Well, getting justice for Breonna Taylor is wonderful for Breonna Taylor's family. It might even be good for the city of Louisville. I'm from Louisville. I think police reform is necessary in that city. My dad was on the police force, but we know that the racism is real. That's why Muhammad Ali left that city at the age of 18. That's why I left that city at the age of 18. But getting justice for Breonna Taylor did not move you any closer to the mark of actually getting justice for the community at large. It just does not. Uh, getting justice for one person is not the same as getting justice for five million people, right? Those are two different things. So a lot of times, I'll give you an example. When I'm doing what I'm doing, um, when I'm talking, if I'm talking about something that I think could influence and help a lot of people, my goal is not to have one great conversation with one person or to give one really good speech in front of 30 people. When I was at Syracuse University, I would give the most extraordinary financial lectures to 35 kids. And I realized even then, I said, I'm not changing the world by blowing my own brains out, trying to teach the hell out of 35 kids. I need to be teaching 35,000. I need to teach half a million. I need to teach, I need to repeat these words to as many people as possible so that it can have as broad of an effect as possible. And then all those people, I need to teach those people to go teach other people so that we can actually have a mass systematic effect on what's happening in the world. That's why, if you want to know why I go live and I talk and I have my YouTube channels, I have 400,000 subscribers on one, a quarter million subscribers on another one, 100,000 subscribers on another one, a few million subscribers on Facebook, a quarter million subscribers on Instagram. That didn't happen by accident. It happened because the goal was to create some sort of mass effect. That's why they call it, they use that term mass media. Because what you're dealing with when you're talking about white supremacy, and I want you to understand this, is you're dealing with big, broad, systematic efforts to control you, to exploit you, and to exterminate you. You know, when, when they created those uh, plans for, um, what do they call it? Um, I wanted to say uh, ge genocide or ge genetics, but it's not, it's um, eugenics. When they had, when Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood were laying out eugenics plans, they weren't saying, oh, we want to go make sure we kill one black baby. They said, how do we take out thousands of them? When, they, when, when, when Biden and his friends were pushing mass incarceration and trying their best to take these super predators off the street, they called them super predators, these kids born from single mothers and stuff like that. Go look it up. You, you, you'll, 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 you'll find it interesting to hear what he had to say. Um, he wasn't talking about like, oh, we need to go and take out a couple of black people. He said, we need to get 100,000 at a time. Uh, when, they're, when they're talking about media, and changing and getting black people to re-see the LGBT agenda or whatever. They're not trying to reach a few black people at a time. They're using mass media. They're trying to reach millions of people at a time. So for black people, what you have to learn is you, you don't fight systems with individuals. You fight systems with systems. So, so the question for us as black people is what systems will we have in place that will allow us to fight back, right? We, we must fight systematic attacks with systematic counterattacks, systematic defense, something that's very, very broad, right? Uh, so, so that's just uh, you know, a thought that's going through my mind. Um, I think also one of the things that we have to really focus on at the very least is sort of thinking about this white supremacy thing 
and, 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 and this inherent belief that we have that what white people are doing is more important than what we're doing, what they're saying matters more than what we're saying. Um, I'm not a person, like if you, if you really notice, I'm not a person that gets real caught up in, you know, like whatever the Proud Boys said or some white supremacist group. It doesn't matter to me because I, I personally feel, and this, and I disagree with some of my friends on this, so I don't want to be disrespectful, but I feel like if I'm sitting around spending my valuable time obsessed over what the Proud Boys are doing, I'm actually empowering the Proud Boys. Uh, when you're talking about what a racist did to you or what a, a racist person is doing to your people, or whatever the case may be, you have to be very careful because you could be actually celebrating uh, and bragging about their accomplishment. You're making them feel better about what they just did to you. And so uh, unless the Proud Boys somehow find a way to exterminate 10,000 Black people at a time, you're not really going to hear me talking much about the Proud Boys or the KKK because I see them as a bunch of pathetic white people doing whatever they can to kind of hold on to whatever little bit of power they have. I don't see them as a broad systematic threat. If you want to know what I see as the broad systematic threats, let me name a few for you. Number one is the educational system. The educational system exterminates uh, hundreds of thousands of black minds every single year. It destroys black children, turns them into white supremacists. It's like a zombie creation factory. Uh, what are some other systematic threats? Mass media. Mass media, when you're mass promoting people like, you know, whether it's Cardi B or some rapper who can't spell his mama's name or some rapper who's telling you to pop pills and kill black people all day and you're playing that on every radio station across the country, that has communities. You're watching this. When kids walk away from books and they're walking toward ratchet behavior, uh, they're, they're, think about this. They're, they're killing their potential. They're not interested in trying to become great. They're not interested in trying to become smart. They're not interested in going out and helping their community because they all want to be nigga thought hoes, whatever, right? They all want to be uh, thugs and they want to be sluts and they want to be, you know, dope heads and all this other stuff. Well, that's killing your potential. That's taking a trillion dollars a year out of your community because your children are among your most valuable resources. That's your human capital. You have trillions of dollars in human capital that's stolen from you every year. Every time a black kid decides, I want to be a thug instead of a scholar, then you're losing, you're losing that soldier in the battle. You've gone, you've gone from having an ally to turn the ally into an enemy. Right? So, so you have to stop that. What are some other mass effects? Corporate America. Corporate America mass promotes lots, lots of products and uh, lots of things that we spend our money on every year that, that eats into our 1.3 trillion uh, so that that money disappears and never comes back. Um, that, that's a mass effect. That doesn't affect just a couple of black people. It affects millions of black people. Uh, what's another mass effect? Big institutions like the, pr the prison industrial complex, uh, which makes billions of dollars a year from slave labor that's extracted primarily out of the black community. So once again, you, you, you have a double, a double negative. You have something that you take a strong black man who could have been the next Malcolm X, could have been the next great black leader, could have been a multi-billionaire CEO. Um, he gets popped on dope charges at the age of 18. He's in prison for the next 80 years. So you, you've turned him from a potential asset. You've taken your LeBron James and you've turned him into, um, into a, a, a non-factor, into a liability. Right. You, you've taken that this person, he, he would have been a father, he would have been a leader, he'd have been a great man, he would have been the next Malcolm X. But instead, you put him in the penitentiary where now he's going to be um, he's going to be uh, affected psychologically from the trauma of prison. Maybe he's going to be raped and infected with an STD, beaten to an inch of his life on a regular basis away from his family, 
uh, left uh, uneducated, right? So, 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 and this is a mass effect. They didn't just do that to a couple of people. They did this to a lot of people. Uh, what are some other systems? Um, I think things like the, uh, the NCAA, the NFL, and the NBA, um, while they may put some money into the community, the NBA and the NFL do, uh, what they do actually is they take more than they give. Right. So, sure, you create, you know, 20 new black millionaires every year if you're the NBA. But what's happened is you've got 10 million black boys that are hypnotized from what they're seeing on mass media. So a million black boys compete for 10 spots. So the 10 guys uh, achieve the goal. 10 guys get, you know, to the NBA. They get the big contract. They market these people like crazy. But then there's another 990,000 of them that did not make it or whatever the number is, right? Or let's say it's one in a hundred thousand or whatever the number is, right? You've got far more, if you add up the number of men who made it to the number of men who tried to make it and did not make it, who gave everything, I mean, sacrificed everything, who brought into the whole culture, who got into the whole weed and women culture and everything else, dedicated more time to playing basketball than they spent to reading books. You've lost another trillion dollars in what they call human capital because this person who could have gone on to do something amazing ended up doing nothing because he he put he he bet his whole stack on on uh, something that had one in one in ten thousand odds and he lost. That's why you see so many black women that go on and do great things professionally because they're not distracted by some false dream that they're gonna make it to the NBA or the NFL. Little black girls don't grow up saying, I don't want to need, I don't need to learn how to read because I'm going to be a professional basketball player. Little black girls don't grow up saying, you know, I don't need to learn how to do math because I'm going to be in the NFL. They're not distracted by that. They're thinking, I want to be an accountant. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer, right? And then that that's why you see black women excelling educationally and black boys not excelling educationally because you have the systematic effect. Remember, let's go back to that word system. Systems affect lots and lots of people. Systems are broad. Systems are vast, right? Uh, and, and the systematic effect where they're mass marketing, the LeBron James is on TV, they're mass marketing, the famous rappers on TV. So you get a million little black boys that get so hypnotized and wanting to be the next, you know, the next Travis Scott or the next, you know, the next superstar rapper, or the, the next Lil Durk or something, whatever the hell it is. I, I don't know. I'm just naming rappers right now. Uh, that they don't focus on trying to be the next great doctor, the next great lawyer, the next great accountant, the next great business owner, the next great father, the next great, uh, you know, the, the, the next great mathematician. They're not thinking about that because they're all trying to aim for the same very limited dream. And it's misrepresented to them. It's presented to them as if everybody can do it, right? It's a lie. It's what we, I, I talked about this yesterday. They call this selection bias in statistics, where you take something that's very rare, but because the country's big and you once you collect all these rare cases, it looks like it's very common, right? So if I'm a little seven-year-old black boy and I love football, and I, I used to do this when I was seven, I used to watch football all the time. I thought every black boy was going to grow up and be a professional football player. I thought that it was easy to become a professional football player because every week I saw professional football players on TV that looked just like me. It wasn't until I became an adult that I learned that only one in 50,000 or one in 100,000 guys actually gets to be a professional football player, right? So they, and, I, and they do that, and they're doing that right now, by the way, with the virus. When they're, when they're promoting and when they're cherry picking every, every terrible case of the virus and mass marketing every terrible case of the virus, it's making some people think everybody's got it. It's making some people think, oh my God, if you step out of your house, you're going to die. If you catch it, you're dead, right? 
And th th this is not a fair sample. This is not a representative sample. It's, a, it's basically a big lie. It's a big illusion. You're presenting with rare cases and you're making people think that the rare, that which is rare is actually common when it's not common at all. So, uh, so there's some other systems that are out there. Uh, I, I just want you to be aware of that and kind of just understand that in order to win this war, you have to fight systems with systems. You have to fight systems with systems. So, so if, if I, if I, you know, if I get my way, if, if, if somebody was ever say, you know, be dumb enough to say, Hey, Dr. Boyce, what do you want? What, what do you want for us to get, you know, for, for us to get you to vote for us? I would say, give, give us billions of dollars so we can develop systems that will, that will impact the lives of thousands and thousands of people. Um, if you want to know what I talk to, you know, when I, whenever I get a chance to talk to somebody who's got real money, like an ice cube or whatever, uh, you know, if I excuse, if you're watching, man, I'm still, this is, this is one little, I dropped that hint to you, man. I hope one day we, we can come up with something like this. You know, I, I, I'll say something like, you know, I think that if we use digital technology and invest just a few million dollars, we can develop systematic educational platforms that will ensure that at least 10 million black boys grow up knowing how to start a business, knowing how to invest in stocks and bonds and know how to buy real estate. If we do something basic like that, that would have a ripple effect beyond any of these fucking hashtags and all this other bullshit that we're doing that's giving us emotional excitement. You know, one of the things that, 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 that we do as black people, and I probably, probably you know, I, maybe I see it because I'm not 25 years old anymore, right? I'm, I'm just tired of getting all riled up and angry. I'm tired of yelling and screaming. I, I'd rather do planning. I'd rather do planning, plotting, and preparing. I don't want to do yelling and screaming. I don't want to sit around and be mad at white people. I don't want to sit around and complain about what they're doing to me. I'd rather say, let's just make a plan. Let's solve the damn problem, right? So solving the problem, if you did something as basic as that, seriously, like if we had a process where we, and we're doing some of this, right? In the Black Business School, we have 127,000 students. That's a good start, right? But if you do something like on a massive scale, like if somebody just wrote a big check and said, okay, doc, here's, you know, here's $20 million, go out and, 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 and I want to see you show results. I want to see you show that you could change the lives of, of 2 million black people with, with $20 million. But what is that? That's uh, $10 per person. I could pull that off. I could pull that off. You know what I would do? I would build training camps. I would pay, think about this, right? Why do so many black boys love football? Why do they all grow up in, in football leagues? Well, because you've got systems in place to get black boys into the football process. You, you got, when, when your child is six years old, seven years old, and your child's bigger than the other kids, there's always some coach somewhere, no matter what city you live in, who comes up and says, oh, when, do, when are you going to bring your son out for football, Right. That's not coincidental. It's because there's a system in place. There's a broad systematic infrastructure in place that is designed to corral as many black boys as possible into the sports leagues, into the sports systems, right? Into these farms, almost like chickens, KFC chickens being, being pulled through, you know, by the thousands. KFC does not grow, you know, they don't grow one chicken at a time. They, 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 they uh, farm thousands of chickens at a time, right? So they're farming thousands of black boys like chickens and, and, and they, they have these Pop Warner leagues. There's no city in America <clears throat> with a population more than 10,000 that you can't go to <clears throat> that does not have some sort of system to, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm choking, to bring black boys into football. They're, am I right or am I right? That there's nowhere you can go in America where there isn't a system that's designed to introduce black boys to football and most boys end up loving it just like I did, right? So, so my argument would be that we can have similar systems to introduce black boys to economics, 
right, to introduce black boys not just to the sports that they enjoy while they're children, right? 99.9% of the, the kids that play football never make a penny playing football, right? So that's almost to some extent you could say that's wasted energy. That's a trillion dollars a year of wasted human capital, right? So imagine if you if those kids spent the same amount of time going to training camps to learn how to invest and how to build wealth and how to run businesses, right? Then you would literally produce thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of black millionaires every single year. Because if you have millions of little black boys all going into entrepreneurship and, and investing training camps, they're going to get inspired. They're going to get excited because little boys love to have money because that's what girls like. That's what the world likes. That's how they get respect. And when they become grown, grown men, the most important feeling as a man is the, the ability to provide for your family. If I couldn't provide for my family, I'd be a very sad man. I'm very, I'm a very proud man because I know that my kids don't want for anything, right? So, 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 so basically what my argument would be is that if we had hundreds, if not thousands of these training camps all across the United States, that introduce little black boys to economics at an early age, then you right there, that would increase black wealth by about five or $10 trillion in one generation. Because what's going to happen just by statistics, remember, I'm a statistician, statistics dictate, dictates that at least some small percentage of those boys are going to become billionaires. And some higher percentage of them are going to become millionaires. Uh, and, 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 and then a lot of them are going to just maybe become thousandaires who just know how to go out and hustle and make money in case there are no jobs available. And that would be a, a stark contrast to what we have now, where we have trillions of dollars in wasted human capital and labor from brothers that ain't got shit to do because the white man ain't got enough jobs to hire everybody, right? Like you go through your hood. Every time you go through the hood and you see black men that are on the street, homeless, begging for money that's wasted human capital. Every time you see a brother sitting around, just sitting on the corner with, at the liquor store, holding the bottle all day, that's wasted human capital. Every time you go, when you got that cousin who's living at his mama's house and he's 45 years old, sitting in his mama's basement in his drawers, playing Xbox, smoking weed all day, that's wasted human capital. So we have a lot in our community in terms of trillions of dollars, trillions in wealth buried right there that we can access but we have to change our thinking. So what does that mean? That means that we listen to what Dr. Claude Anderson's saying in Poweronomics. He says this, and this is a very important point. I'm gonna leave you with this before we bounce out of here. He says, the reason that you cannot move forward as black people is because you, you've been trained to spend most of your time thinking about two things, integration and civil rights. Now, this is not to say integration can't have its merits. It's not to say the civil rights has no value. But neither one of these things will make you powerful in a racist capitalist society. It will not. Integration does not work, first of all, because white people don't really like you that much. And then number two, they ain't got room for all of you. After slavery, white people in the North, your friends, your allies, were the ones that were actually, that actually started to, even they started lynching black people and, and complaining about black people because they didn't want black people coming from the South to come to the North and taking their jobs. So when the South said, okay, well, we'll just build prisons and put them in the prisons, we'll find, we'll, we can change the law. We'll just make up a reason to lock them up. The South, the North said, okay, that sounds good to us. They didn't stop that. They didn't say, oh gosh, these are our friends. You can't do that to black people. That would be wrong. No, they said, good, as long as they ain't in our hair, as long as we ain't got to worry about them, we okay. 
So they don't have enough room on the bus for all of you. They can't hire every black person. So this idea of celebrating the, the one Negro who got the good job working at the big white company, those days have to be gone. Those days, I mean, you seriously, like, like how in the hell can you solve a problem for, how can you uplift an entire community of 40 million people when you've got a bunch of little Jackie Robinsons scattered? You, you're the Jackie Robinson of accounting. You're the Jackie Robinson of engineering. You're the Jackie Robinson of the law firm. You're the one law firm out of 250 lawyers in the firm. You're the one black person. And we're supposed to be happy about that? That's not real. That's not, that's symbolism. That's not substance. That's not systematic. Like what's systematic is when you have a firm that has 300 black lawyers, all employed, all working gainfully and making an income, serving their community and serving other communities, right? Systematic is when, you know, you start the business that employs hundreds, if not thousands of your own people. But the problem is that you have to unlock that potential by training individuals that have the capacity for leadership to be able to lead. See, you, you don't have enough leaders. Your, your model of black leadership, once again, again, because it's not systematic, it's it, what they call idiosyncratic. And finance, that the, the term we use in finance for a one-off is idiosyncratic. Like the Jackie Robinson effect is idiosyncratic. It means that it affects one person, but doesn't affect the whole system. A hashtag for George Floyd, that's idiosyncratic. You're getting justice for George Floyd. He deserves justice. His family deserves it. No question, but that is specific. That's one person. That is symbolism. Symbolism makes you feel good, but symbolism doesn't do shit. Symbolism makes you, uh, it's like it really is a drug that you inject in your arm to create a false reality that is not consistent with the reality that's all around you. So a lot of times with integration and civil rights, you are fed symbolism as a substitute for substance, right? So when you talk about, you know, when you talk about integration, integration is okay. Uh, this is nothing against black people who successfully integrate. That's fine, but those aren't the leaders in your community. Those are not the winners. Those are the people that just, those are just the, the people that white people happen to like. Um, when you talk about leadership, you, fo you focus on the, uh, the um, you focus on the idiosyncratic in leadership. You'll have one Negro, one black person who, who, who feeds his ego by saying, look at me, I'm the most special Negro to ever walk the face of the earth. I am the most requested, most loved black person on the planet. I am the, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the man. I get all the women. I am the king. I am the boss. You know, I'm going to build one church. I'm going to build one school and that's going to change everything. No, it's not. You don't need one school. You need 10,000 schools. You don't need one church. You need thousands of them. You don't need one program. You need thousands of that. You, know, you don't need one person. You need thousands of people. So what I would say when it comes to black leadership is you want to go to the point where you're not having these one-off messiahs that, that are elevated in the community. You should have systematic leadership where you've got tens of thousands of people that are capable of leading at any given moment in time. So when I'm talking to you guys, I'm not even trying to speak to you as a black leader. If I am a leader, I am one of 100,000 leaders. And I'm, I'm, really, I'm really saying this because I really need you to embrace what I'm saying so that you'll empower yourself. So when I go around the world and I see you guys, and, 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 you, and you give me props and respect, which I am so appreciative of, I mean, it, it, it really makes me feel good. At the end of the day, we're talking leader to leader. Because in your space and in your terrain, you are the boss of that. You are the leader of all of that. When it comes to your family, those are your kids. 
if, if you're allowing me to help you, to inspire you, to influence you on how you educate your kids, I'm honored by that. But at the end of the day, when I see that, I see that as your territory. You're leading that. And you have to lead that to the best of your ability, right? Because we must mass produce uh, black leaders. We must mass produce black thinkers. We must mass produce economic champions. We must mass produce entrepreneurs. We must mass produce investors because they can't kill us all. They, 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 it would be very hard for them to kill us all. They can't stop us all, right? They can't stop every black person in America from ever starting a business, every black person in America from ever making an investment, every black person in America from teaching their kids the right things. They can't do that, right? So ultimately, at the end of the day, we must go from the idiosyncratic to the systematic. So always think in terms of systems, systems, systems. Racism is a system. That is where all the white people got together and said, we're going to create a whole bunch of rules and all of us are going to be on code and we're all going to do the same things when we see a black person coming. We all going to make sure the black people get shut out. We're going to make sure that we shut them out economically. We're going to shut them out socially. We're going to shut them out educationally. And we're going to use these suckers. We're going to get together, work together, make sure that this happens. And they pushed hard to push doctrine that spread to thousands, if not millions of people, where they would all kind of understand that there's a hierarchy and that everybody must maintain and show respect to the hierarchy. Racism is not that one time where the white lady in the grocery store said that she don't want to sell to a black person. I don't give a shit what the white lady in the grocery store said to you. You did not experience racism. You experienced bias, prejudice, or some lady who just doesn't like you. Right, that, that's what it is, get used to it. Systems are what you're up against. Systems must be fought with systems. Or, or do you get what I'm saying? Give me a yes in the chat if you follow what I'm saying. I took some time to explain it because this is what's on my mind. I'm reading through Poweronomics now. And, uh, and when Dr. Anderson was talking about this point about the white man's ice being colder, it really made me think about this system thing. And I, and I really think that if you focus on systems and then also systems that can shift culture, if you shift culture and systems, then you, you can win this thing. Like, imagine this. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine if um, somebody wrote Dr. Boyce, you know, wrote, wrote me a check, or, or let's say we had a committee, not, not a check to me, but let's say there was a committee where we had, you know, $50 million. That's, that's not even a lot of money, honestly, but I'm, but I'm pretty smart with, with economics. So I could, do, I could do more of $50 million than a lot of people could do with a billion. I can educate more black children with $50 million than these fools can educate with, with, with $5 billion. I kid you not. And let's say that we have $50 million and we were able to build a, a system that ensured that every black child or, or at least 5 million black children were uh, taught, and it could be taught literally in a six-week period, the basics of owning stocks and bonds, which we, we could teach them that in about a day, um, owning real estate, which might take about a week, and then running a business, which might take another three or four weeks because running a business takes time. And, and they all grew up in a culture that said, we are black, being black, the, you know, the Joe Biden says, you know, well, if you don't vote for me, that means you ain't black. Fuck that. No, no. Maybe they, maybe a better thing to think about would be to say, if I'm not, that being black means I am an owner. Being black means I am a builder. Being black means I am an investor. Being black means I am a thinker. Being black means I am a strategizer. Being black means I am a leader. Being black means I'm on code with my culture. Being black means I make progress in my life. Imagine if you had 5 million kids who just think that way and conduct themselves that way with a tremendous amount of pride, 
a tremendous amount of effort. Uh, they're working together th to think strategically on the acquisition of resources. Cardi B comes out with a new album. They, a lot of them may or may not listen to it because they're not trying to go out and sell WAP to make money because they know how to make money. Think about what difference that would make in the community. Really, I mean, you, know, you don't understand. One of the curses I have of being a person that's so in tune with economics is that you, you, if you were inside my brain, you would lose your mind when I see how many trillions of dollars are thrown away over bullshit. How many, how many lost opportunities there are just because people don't even know what to do when they have money in their pocket. Like when, when you see, when you're watching BET, again, mass, systematic, mass producing, systematically marketing stupidity to black people, like systematically on a broad scale in the millions, marketing some of the most retarded shit that you've ever seen in your life. Mass marketing ignorance to you, not just BET, but it's all over the place. It's very frustrating to me because what it really speaks to is this idea that, my God, we've got so much that we need. If we just did the right things with what we had, we could go a long way. We don't need to necessarily even wait for the reparations check. If we just shifted our thinking and started doing certain things uh, with our money right now, we could put ourselves in a much better position, right? Like so little things like life insurance policy. Why do so many black people die without life insurance? Well, maybe it's because stupidity is marketed to you on a regular basis. So a lot of people will literally die with no life insurance and leave their kids in debt. Uh, why, why is black wealth going backward? Well, because, because e bad economic thinking is mass marketed to you. Again, because they want to exploit you. They want your money. So they want you to be stupid. So they mass market to you. Then you should go to college and get this magical piece of paper from a white man that will give you a certification that lets you go work for another white man. And then you go and you sign any document they put in front of you. Next thing you know, you're $100,000 in debt, but you're making $40,000 a year. You have no idea how you're going to repay that. So your credit goes to shit because you just start ignoring the payments and the next thing you know you're growing old and you're dying in debt right like little things like that uh, infuriate me they drive me absolutely insane if you ever want to know why i talk so much why i just get in here and i just start rambling it's literally it's probably because it's therapeutic because i thought i had to acknowledge to myself i used to be a person who thought who didn't want to accept this idea that somehow maybe i'm smarter than other people i just didn't like thinking that right i don't like thinking that i that walk around thinking i'm better than other people but then i had to realize i said wait you know what i sit around thinking about these things all day long i've studied these things at a very high level for many many years so i'm gonna see things other people won't see the same way a doctor a heart doctor is gonna see when you're eating things that are killing you and you may have no idea right well, well that's what i see I see us doing things every day on a daily basis that are mass marketed to us that are incredibly destructive, incredibly self-destructive. I see us voting for things that are completely against our interests. I see us putting our money in places that are going to put us further and further behind. I see us educating ourselves and our children in a way that is completely, completely self-destructive. So the solutions are out there. But the number one thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to change your thinking. You're literally going to have to detach, cut the umbilical cord, like get out of the matrix completely and rebuild the world from, from scratch so that you can understand what it's going to take for you to really prosper in this world. Because there, I can't think of too many things that they tell you to do that are actually going to make you successful. And almost nothing. Almost nothing. All right, so I'm going to go. I, I'm done talking. I've been yapping long enough. Thank you for listening. Um, feel free to follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is The Real Boyce Watkins, or you can go to drboystv.com. Uh, like I said, tomorrow at 11 Eastern, I'll be on with uh, Lord Jamar. Uh, so I think his, his um, YouTube channel is The Godcast or something like that. The Yana Mean Godcast, something like that.
And also, Dr. Claude Anderson and I, we start our Powernomics Masterclass on the 15th. We're going to cover each chapter in detail. We're going to break it down and analyze it. The content is yours forever. And also, um, when you're done, you can get a certification in Powernomics. So feel free to join us. If you want to join us, go to PowernomicsMasterclass.com. That's PowernomicsMasterclass.com. Since you're watching the podcast, you can use the code word podcast and get 30% off. So PowernomicsMasterclass.com. Use the code word podcast. You get 30% off. Please hit the thumbs up button right now before you go. And I'm out of here. Have a good night. Thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you later. Be good. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Believe none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV.